0: No. Hey everyone, we just want to let you know that the hockey hey podcast now is packed with hardcore tankathon podcast. and cool hockey for analytics edition NHL draft. Uh, my name is TC. You can call me con- or so. Call me TC. Uh, here's how you fellow. enter: you go um, to tankathon.com/nhl, and I,
1: You click from Santa create
0: a 15-team simulation,
1: uh, you then the other you screenshot the house, your favorite outcome, got my brother. and
0: then you submit your entry hey. by commenting with it below the post. It's TCJ also known as Brendan, podcast Network's Twitter page, as well as And we have a special guest from the, uh, and then the Ice what you do is
1: Podcast.
0: You make sure to tag a friend to uh, post. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, uh, one entry per I'm, to get I'm 15 pleased to be correct.
2: here, but you know it must be I a slow time a when I've invited
0: onto the, the show. Of uh, I just. And uh, for all uh, of that. My name is Matthew Arp and, and uh, I
2: really appreciate uh, the invitation. Check out the Hockey
0: Podcast Network's Twitter page. Uh, just thanks everyone. Really quick, and, what are uh, some
2: things this. that
1: you normally talk about on your this show? This is the so Hockey Podcast appointed. Network, Network. your home for hockey talk well, uh, use every team in like the NHL. One, topic,
2: one stat or ask a big question per week, and uh, just explore using the numbers and try to explain it in uh, you know non-academic terms. So, give us an example. What is what is maybe your favorite episode? Uh, honestly, maybe the one coming out this week, uh, which is about the back-to-back, where I look at teams that play more back-to-backs uh, in a given season, how they perform, and you know, kind of look at what effect playing with no days rest has on a team's performance.
1: You know, we're we're at, um, here on the Grit for Sixty podcast. We do cover the Jets, but we constantly remind our fans that, or not our fans, our listeners, um, that Brendan and I are fans of different teams. Um, and as a Flyers fan, i I need to put this out here that the Flyers have one of the hardest schedules as far as uh, rest days and days off and that sort of thing. So just throwing that out there
2: they're they're doing pretty good spoiler alert they, they are doing good with their schedule um some other teams i don't i don't want to say too much but there's a team in particular that has not had a very challenging schedule that has performed horribly in uh in back-to-back situations
0: hmm. see i think with the jets it wasn't more so the back-to-backs it was that they would sometimes have these really dumb like home and homes like i think they did a home and home with dallas <laughs> at one
1: point and I was like why are we doing this <laughs> why are we going from central Canada to Texas
0: it's like we're back in the southeast uh, division all over again like
2: what are we doing and with no airport
0: yeah yeah but Winnipeg has no airport no wi-fi just people living in the dark 24-7
1: <laughs> I didn't know they didn't have an airport
0: I think I think it's just a joke. I, I think they actually do have an airport, but anyway. Uh, so, first of all, Matt, we wanted we just kind of want your overall take on the Jets so far this season.
2: Well, I, I think that I don't think my assessment is going to be much different than than most people's. That they have uh, you can look at it a couple, a couple different ways. Uh, they've either been extremely lucky, or uh, they've outperformed their expectations substantially because of good goaltending in part uh a big part is the goaltending i mean if hellebuck has been playing out of his mind this entire season and uh hasn't gotten a lot of support from the team but talk about a goaltender standing on his head Uh, i think he's he's carried the team and i think you if you're a sports writer you'd have to consider voting him for the heart that's how good he's been. That
1: was gonna be my question for oh, you. Yeah, was, that, that was gonna be a I big question. Was, I was gonna start with: Can we consider him for? Can we consider him the leader for the Besna, even if the Jets don't make the playoffs? And if oh. we can get that far, can we vote him for the Hart?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I definitely think that those are both real. I, I, think Besna, he's a lock. I don't think there's any question about Besna, but but Hart, uh, I mean, he's got to be in the conversation. Yeah, but. But Vasilevsky has more wins, so like, you know, it's
0: a, it, I'm not really. It's it's not that, that shouldn't be an argument. I think the hell of buck is above and beyond, just like everybody.
1: Well, I just, I just, if the Jets don't make the playoffs, I don't. I mean, I agree that he absolutely should win the Vesna no matter what. But if there, you know, if there are playoffs, I guess has to start there. If there are playoffs and the Jets aren't included, I don't see the people who make these decisions. I don't see them putting him in, or, or winning the Vesna with that situation.
0: Didn't uh, Bobrovsky win it a few years ago when his team didn't make the playoffs?
1: The the Vesna, not the Hart. He?
0: Yeah, because awesome. he won he won in twenty twelve, twenty thirteen, and that's when the Blue Jackets were awful. And then he actually did win it once when they actually did make the playoffs. But uh, so. Other than that, uh, here's uh, here's a little fun question, because I feel like this has been like the sort of analytics versus eye test question of the season, is we talked about the Hart Trophy, and I kind of wanted your take on this. Is
2: Leon Dreisaitl the MVP this year? No. Uh, no. No, not at all. Uh, we're talking about the Hart, right? Yeah. This is the, the, the MVP. This is the... "Quote unquote player judged most valuable to his team award," uh, in in their words. And no, I don't. I wouldn't even. Compl- I, you know, I wouldn't put Drysaddle on my top three. I would honestly put Hellebuck, Panarin, and McKinnon above Drysaddle. Yeah, I, that's I, I how would, I feel too.
1: You know, I wouldn't be mad at that. And in, in fact, I think you know, I think we're going to have to spearhead the campaign for Hellebuck for heart. Um, But yeah, I would, I would also agree. But, but points.
2: Yeah, I know. And that's, it's just like what you mentioned earlier about the wins with goaltender. And I think that, uh, I mean, we know, uh, we all know that wins points, you know, goals. I mean, these things matter a lot, but it's, this is, this is great about analytics, you know, being able to dig into the numbers and look behind the scenes, behind the curtain at some of these things and, even though Vasilevsky has more wins, I think that – I mean, you're talking about Hellebuck, who's got a goal saved above expected of almost 21. The last time a goaltender has had more than double the person in second place was 2014-2015 Carey Price. I mean, Hellebuck is having an out-of-this-world season, and, and I think that's why he needs to be considered. And Panarin and McKinnon have, are on teams that I think you could argue – I'm, the Avs have had a lot of injury problems, and New York doesn't have a lot of offense. They've been carrying the load. Edmonton, you know, historically has been that great, but Dreisaitl's got a lot of help, at least uh, offensively. And, and that's where I think, for me, I, I kind of have him in like that 3-4 spot.
1: Well, I guess the question with, with Dreisaitl is, are other teams putting their best players against him, or are they putting their best players against McDavid?
2: That's a good question. Um, usually they're not
1: on the ice at the same time. And if they are, then a lot of Dreisaitl's production is because he's on the ice with McDavid.
2: Yeah, I mean, that, that's a really good question. I mean, the only thing that I have that uh, kind of looks at that would be something like the goals above replacement model that uh, takes some of this competition stuff into consideration. And, you know, he's been good offensively, but he has been horrible defensively. And I'm a huge fan of well-roundedness. And and this is, again, where, like player judge most valuable to the team. Yeah, he can score. Uh, that That's great. I mean, so can Patrick Kane. Um, but neither of them can play defense. And I think that uh, – I, I know it's not like a – you know, there is a defensive award. But this isn't an offensive award, right? This is most valuable award. And I think that you got to look at – you got to look at everything.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think some of that is – I've said this, I think, a couple times on our show is that – there's no great, like, casual stat for defense, right? Like, casual fans can easily just point at points, goals, assists for offense, right? But there's no great, like, casual defense stat, right? Like, because when you bring up, let's say, Plus like... Expected minus. Goals, Plus, get- minus.
1: Plus, <laughs> minus is your casual defensive stat. Brendan. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting there. <laughs>
0: right, but, like, when you say, when you bring up, like, expected goals against or whatever, like people tune out, right? Unless you're in tune to that sort of thing, like people really don't care. So you start throwing out the word expected, right? Like they're just like, I just want to sit down. I want to watch the game. Do not go off on me with some of these advanced statistics.
1: I think, okay, you continue. You're on a roll. And so other than plus minus, which
0: I cannot emphasize enough is a horrible, no good statistic. There's no real great way to, Quantify defense to the non-advanced stats person.
1: <clears throat> I, I think you, I was gonna when you said um, as soon as you say expected, people kind of check out. I think that is, I mean, that is true. But you can sort of explain expected goals pretty easily to a casual casual fan, I would think, because uh, it's exactly what it sounds like, given you know the chances that you're given up or the chances that you're taking, these are the goals you can, these are the number of goals that you can expect to score playing this way or expect to allow playing that way. Uh, and I think you, not always, but it's easier to explain that than something like goals saved above average or whatever.
2: No, I mean, you, you're absolutely right. I think that, so, you know, there's a major disconnect between statisticians that are grinding out uh, machine learning models and coming up with some of these numbers and actually putting these things into practice and and that's I, I, that that's my goal is to try to be that conduit between the statisticians that are that are generating these phenomenal metrics and you know the average hockey fan because I think that I think it can be easily explained I think that you can easily break these things down and and like you said like oh you take a high percentage shot I think people would agree that you know from the slot. You know, it's a high percentage shot, you know, kind of taking that into consideration. Okay, that, that has a higher uh, likelihood of going in. I think most people would agree with that. But, but being able to convey that messaging in a way that is understandable. Um, and, and that's where like something like goal saves above expected. I mean, based on the, the way that the, uh, the Jets play defense and the, the shot, the number of shots they give up and the location of those shots. He's performing way better than most people. And, and that's all you really need to know is just compared to everybody else and the way they play defense, he's outperforming uh, significantly uh, what, you know, you would you would expect him to do. And
1: just kind of uh, while we're still kind of on the subject of goalies, I did want to bring up a point that um, my goalie friend, uh, Logan Mori brought up on one of our previous episodes uh, when I brought him on as a guest. Uh, and he, he said that there is evidence to show that goalies who face more shots uh, perform better than goalies who face fewer shots in the game. So even, you know, yes, the Jets defense is bad, but maybe Connor is performing better because he's facing so many shots. And I didn't know if there was anything that in, in what you've seen with your analytics that can take that into account or has noticed a similar trend.
2: So I think that's, that is the biggest difference between uh, goals saved above average and goals saved above expected. Because goals saved above average does look at just the number of shots and doesn't take into consideration the location of those shots. And he's pretty – I think he's number one in that category, except it's a little closer between him and Rask. But when you factor in shot location, which the uh, goals saved above expected does – he blows away the competition and rask doesn't look so superhuman anymore because uh yeah the 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 bruins do a really good job of limiting shots that are high quality um so that's probably the only thing i can say but i think there is something to that i mean we've we've heard that narrative and i should probably jot this down for a future podcast because i think this is a great topic that you hear the narrative that you know you want a goalie to get a lot of work and and see a lot of pucks you don't want them to you know face a you know, a, a, small sample size because that, uh, they can get a little rusty and net. Hey, I think that is worth something investigating.
0: Right. And I think there's some sort of a balance, right? Cause I can understand mentally how, if you're not seeing a lot of shots, like, you know, if you're not seeing a lot of shots and all of a sudden, like there's a breakaway or a two-on-one opportunity, I can see how mentally it would be a lot harder for you to get back in a, into that zone. But at the same time, you also don't want to do what the Winnipeg defense does on a nightly basis and just hang your goaltender out to dry.
2: Right. Definitely. So, speaking I, of team... Did,
1: okay, oh, sorry. I had, a, I, had a, I had a topic of discussion.
0: Um, okay. I was about to segue into another one, but I'll let
1: you go first. Okay. Um, so, I wanted to ask about our... Well, I say our... The Jets forward group. Because when, when, I, look at the, when I look at the names and I look at the players... I say, oh, this is a very talented forward core. And then we look at the advanced stats and they are not, they're not driving play at all. And I'm trying to figure out what, where is the gap there? So I look at, okay, we've got Shifley. We've got Blake Wheeler. We've got Patrick line, Kyle Connor. These are very talented forwards. Our favorite is Nick Ellers. He's actually probably one of their best play drivers. Um, even guys like Andrew cop, right? So we, this is, very talented top six why are they not driving play
2: i i wish uh i'd watch more jets games because i i feel like uh you might be in a better position to answer that question than me because absolutely i mean you're looking at these numbers and and ellers is definitely the one who jumps off the page and this i don't think this is a household name i mean some of the ones you just mentioned even line and 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 shifley you know people have heard of before but ellers has been flying under the radar this year he's insane uh you know third amongst forwards on the team in in expected goals forward and the two people that are ahead of him are eakin and little who've played a combined 15 games so um you know he's the best person on the team given his, his the number of games he's played which is 71 and he's he is so much better than everyone else in the the forward crew right now. Um, And what's really impressive is his defense. I think he's really stepped up defensively. But as far as the rest of the team, like you said, you look on paper and you look at some of the stats in years past and they usually performed a little bit better. So I'm not totally sure what's going on with the forwards either. Um, Maybe maybe you would uh, be better to speak to that than me.
0: Uh, My general theory is that the Jets, just overall team defense, like, looking at the defensemen, they don't really have any good puck movers until, I guess, maybe when Dylan DeMello showed up. Um, so it's hard for them to get out of their own zone. The defensemen themselves not only can't move the puck, none of them have any sort of positive offensive presence. Josh Morsey. Yeah, but even then, like, Morsey hasn't been the same since – Truba left and also Truba hasn't been the same since he left Morrison. But and then on the other side of it with the forwards, they have a bunch of forwards in Shifley, Line A, Kyle Connor, who all can't play defense. So I think all of that just kind of piles on and you get this like awful advanced stats number across the board.
2: I mean the thing that really stands out is they have three players right now in the in the forward crew that are both plus defense and offensive guard players. And that's Ellers, Wheeler, and Harkins. I don't even know what this Jansen Harkins guy Harkins. is. Yeah, um,
1: he's, he's – in January, he stepped up. He was like a fourth-line guy. Jets' fourth line was awesome um, for a fourth line. They did their job. Harkins was able to step up into a second-line role and then a first-line role for a few games. And for some reason, Paul Reese, even after seeing him play well, decided to bring him back down to the third or fourth line. I don't know. I disagree, but he yes. a scratch at one point too. Wasn't I, I like Jansen Harkins. So um, I think when
0: they acquired Egan and they brought back um, somebody, I forget who, yeah. I think they, I think they made Harkins a scratch for some reason. But yeah,
2: I but mean, those, I think, yeah. those three guys are the only ones that are plus in both categories and, and some of their big names, Lane, Shifley, Connor, and, um, Rosovic th- those four are good offensive players but you know are giving up a lot more defensively than they have in years past and and I'm not sure if that's a system thing or it's an off year thing or, or bad luck or what what the situation is um but or like you said the, the defense the actual defensive core that's been uh you know holding them back defensively
0: All right, I think we're going to pause here for a message from our sponsor, so we'll be back. This episode is sponsored by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming, offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. If you're anything like me, and you're just not a neurosurgeon with a steady hand, you probably neglect what's below the belt. Luckily, Manscaped has us covered. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created, and just really, ugh. This episode is sponsored by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming, offering precision-engineered controls. This episode is sponsored by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming, offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. If you're anything like me, and you're just not a neurosurgeon with a steady hand, you probably neglect what's below the belt. Luckily, Manscaped has us covered. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball-hair trimmer ever created, and just released a new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Their third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to prevent manscaping accidents. Millions of balls are about to be nick-free thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin-safe technology. Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past. And when I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes, so you can take a longer shave. One of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. They've also agreed to a 7,000 RPM motor with Quiet Stroke technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a rapid charging dock powered by USB. If you are listening to me speak right now, you are one of the first people to hear about this life-changing product, and I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Get 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code THPN, let me repeat, THPN, at manscaped.com. Your balls. Well, thank you. All right. So the topic I wanted to get into was we talked Before a little we get bit into this. about. Okay.
1: I hope you enjoy that product and/or service. Yes. Okay. Nice now go.
0: Okay. So we talked a little bit about individual player defense with Drysital and everything. I wanted to bring up Kyle Connor because I think he's another interesting case of an emerging young player who has a lot of points is a very good offensively, but defensively his defensive numbers are like among the worst in the league. So I kind of wanted your take on Kyle Connor.
2: Yeah. I mean, I haven't, I, I couldn't, I, I know I've watched a few games here and there, but I couldn't tell you specifically what he's doing that um, is defensively a, a problem, but, you know, he's, his possession stats aren't that great. And yeah, like you said, this is something – I kind of feel like this is just an off year for him. I'm not trying to trying to give him a free pass or anything. But he was trending in a direction as, a, as a more of a two-way player. I don't know what happened or what's going on this particular year. Um, is it – did they move him around on his, his line combinations or something like that? I'm not really sure myself. But there was a long stretch
0: where they ran with – Shifley, Line A, and Connor. And you have three guys who can't play defense all playing together. And if you looked, like, the possession numbers were really bad, and they were basically sort of just, like, PDOing people so it looked okay.
2: Yeah, I mean, I got to think it's something like that. I got to think it's something to do with the the line combinations because, yeah, you're right, he is almost uh, setting the bar for, like, him and and Patrick Kane and a few other players that are – Very good offensive players, but not very good defensive players.
0: And I don't mean that as like a, I hate Kyle Connor" sort of deal. He's very talented player. And obviously like his Mm -hmm. goal scoring abilities bring a lot of positive value. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, like at some point you got to be a little more well-rounded.
2: Yeah. And I think that we've seen this with other players. We've seen this with really good players in the offensive zone, even like Alex Ovechkin level players, where you put a Tom Wilson or a TJ Oshie on that line with them, someone that's more defensive minded, um, a defensive forward like a Backstrom or you know even even changing him and Kuznetsov out, you know you you put that other defensive forward on the line, and it can, it can make up for some of the mistakes that they make. And it seems like just a cursory glance of looking at. Uh, their production, whoever is playing with Ehlers is is should be doing pretty good. And uh, But other than that, that seems to be the one thing that they're lacking is like a strong defensive forward.
1: Yeah,
0: just looking at some line combinations really quickly,
2: it looks like to
0: me, he spent a lot of time last year with Shifley and Wheeler and then some time with Little and Laine. So I guess – for the most part of this year they kind of merged those two things together and they just have them with China Shifley and Linea. Shyne, Um Shifley and Linea for most of the season.
1: So China, I know just, if, <laughs> just the best shot ever and nothing else.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know if um, so. I don't really know if changing line combinations is the, is the whole reason why either.
2: The uh, the little injury, uh, would you say that has anything to do with it?
1: The little injury, the yeah. little bit.
2: Injury. I mean, some
0: of it, I guess, but I don't know. I wouldn't call little like an elite play driver. I don't think so. I don't know, but. The other thing I wanted to talk about was, I think it's interesting to see how points drive narratives, too. And I, I can't think of a better uh, example of that, at least when it comes to the Jets, as Nikolai Ehlers. Yeah, you know, I think Ehlers has been a, a really good play driver during his time in Winnipeg every year. And I think after last year, when the points went down, people were trying to figure out, like, okay, what is wrong with Nick Ehlers? but now this year the points have gone up and I don't really think the advanced stats have really changed much. So I don't know. I I wanted to see what you thought of that whole thing.
2: Yeah, I know. Absolutely. I think that's just one example of, you know, you could build the best model in the world. And some of these statisticians are are phenomenal at putting together single number metrics that do a really good job of encapsulating a lot of different things, but there's always going to be that like, luck you know like a, a guy can always just have a cold streak or just you know miss more shots than uh, than they used to and you know you can go through hot and cold patches and i think that yeah ellers underlying numbers have not changed a whole lot but his uh, production has and and i think that his real production is somewhere in the middle you know somewhere in between he maybe he underperformed a little bit last year and is and overperforming a little bit this year but i think that uh, yeah i mean the the underlying metrics are there and he should be performing at a, at a better rate than he did last year, I think. And that, uh, cause you know, you can't control for everything. I mean, you're, you might just go into a little bit of a slump and just miss some miss shots that you would normally make.
0: Yeah. And, you know, sometimes some of that might be line mates to also converting more. And I think maybe a little bit, have had a little more responsibility this year, but he's played about the same amount of minutes. Yeah. So, I don't know. I'd have to maybe check. Maybe he's getting more like special teams time or more power play time. I don't know. I just think it's very interesting how, um, you know, I've seen people be like, Oh, what changed for Nick Ellers this year? And I'm like, I don't really think much of anything has changed.
2: No, but you're absolutely right. I knew you mentioned it earlier about the big picture, uh, stats, points, goals, wins, and, and stuff like that, where that's the eye popping stuff people look at and, uh, It'd be nice if people, uh, you know, if we were able to message a little bit better and and get this on some. I know some broadcast show like Corsi and Fenwick and stuff like that now, so that's kind of cool that we're uh, expanding our horizons because there's a lot. You know, the game is still about like looking at the scoreboard. You know, that's who wins and, and loses is based on the number up there. Doesn't matter. I mean, how that's many why you play you the game. Exactly. Yeah. So that's ultimately what we care about. But how do you get those points? I think, you know, this this stuff kind of helps to. Um, to understand where those points are generating from. Because it's not just, you know, it's easy to say, like, just go score, but it's harder to figure out, like, what <laughs> leads to a goal.
0: Yeah, just put the puck in the net, nerd.
2: Yeah. Shoot! <laughs>
0: uh, see, that, that was, that was one of my problems with the Jets' offense, is that for whatever reason, we've decided that we like to put the puck in the hands of, like, Dmitry Kulikov and uh, whatever other pylons are, are playing at that time. Instead point of,
1: shots work. Watch the game, nerd. Yes. We have a thing where we're just like,
0: <laughs> clearly point shots work. And it's just like, mm,
1: there it's are a running gag way on this better,
0: more efficient ways of playing offense. Right? Like, I feel like point shots are the goal line fades of the NHL.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I like that.
0: I just thought of that. So, I'm glad no, that you like that.
1: Write that down. That is good.
0: I don't know, you're you're Canadian, I don't know how how much you follow football, but. um, All right. Uh, Dude, I love football. Okay, I'm never sure how some of these non-Americans are about with our
2: American football. Well see, so I grew up, I grew up in the U.S., I I immigrated to Canada, I'm originally a Canadian. I just saw
0: on your account, like, located in Ontario, so.
2: Yeah. I, uh, I grew up outside of Cleveland, so uh, oh, I have sorry. a very depressing perspective of football. Uh, you know, hey, it's, it was depressing we, before they moved and then they moved and then it came back and it's been depressing since
1: we grew up in Jacksonville. We, we get
2: it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, uh, I mean, I'm, this is actually a good place for me to plug something I'm doing. I'm actually working on my mock draft. I've done this like the last five years now. Um, I always do like a three round team mock draft and, uh, put it out on my website
0: oh yeah that's great have you followed any of the uh like the pro football focus like analytics mock drafts
2: oh god i love pro football focus they're awesome them and sharp analytics are my two favorite uh football go-to
0: and it's like i see all the people like mocking Derek brown to the jags at nine and i just want to like i don't know i want to throw my phone across the room every time i read a mock draft with Derek brown going to the Jags.
2: well i know it's a high hockey-
1: draft so yeah it, it, it can happen
2: I know this is, a, this is a hockey pod, but uh, who do you want them to draft?
1: Uh, anyway, I, mean, I
0: just don't want them to take an, an interior defensive lineman. That's not what you do in the first round. You, know, you want to look at pass rushers or corners or wide receivers. Like
2: They pick yeah. nine, right?
0: Yeah, they pick at nine and I think 19.
2: Okay, so I got, I got one for you. Let okay. me throw out to te- you. I'm going to give you a teaser of my mock because I got okay. a prediction. I want this on record. Oh, boy. I think Tampa Bay is going to trade up to the ninth pick to draft Dredrick Wills to protect Tom Brady's blind side, or his, the right side. And they're concerned about Cleveland and the Jets taking Wills because he's the the true top right tackle in this draft class. I think Tampa Bay is going to jump them to protect Tom Brady to go on a Super Bowl run this year, which is going to kick them back down to like 14. I think that's right. Cause you got Browns, Jets, Oakland, um, San Fran. So yeah, it'd be 14. And I think they take, Javon Kinlaw who's the, the Jags take Javon Kinlaw who's also a defensive interior, interior but, but he's getting comparisons to Aaron Donald I mean this guy is a I was gonna pass say does he have um,
0: yeah there you go I was gonna yeah, say like every time I see Derek Brown it's always like well we don't know about his pass rushing abilities I'm like that's why you don't pick him at nine
2: <laughs> right no this Kinlaw dude it, they everyone says this guy's like built in the lab like this guy is the pass the perfect interior pass rusher um, that you want on your team. And if I think I, if he's there, I think that they move back. They get a couple extra picks later. Tampa Bay gets their right side, uh, you know, offensive tackle to protect Brady. And uh, it's kind of a win-win for it. And then that way they won't take Brown.
0: Yeah, I suppose. I don't know. I think the draft will be interesting this year. But uh, I don't like watching the Jags draft.
2: It's gonna be a weird draft. Oh, this and year.
1: they're letting—they're keeping Dave Caldwell around so he can draft another rebuild. Why? Yeah. But. Oh. Uh, okay. Sorry. All of our Winnipeg what? listeners have checked out already. You don't. You
2: don't. Wait. You don't want Trevor Lawrence next year?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I—I'm just saying that the GM that they've had for years has proven to not be able to draft well, and their strategy for rebuilding is keeping this GM around. And rebuilding through the draft. That's yeah. why I'm not excited.
0: All right, I think we're going to close out here. I want not necessarily your awards predictions, but who you think should win which
1: awards. Does that does that work with you? There are correct answers. <laughs> there are correct. <laughs> yeah, we will be grading you.
2: No. Is this uh? Is this like if the season ends today?
0: Yeah, if the season ends today, because I'm just sort of assuming that like, even if we get hockey again this year, like, they're just going to give us the playoffs in some fashion, some, I don't know, some way, somehow, just immediately. So uh, we'll, we'll go with who do you think will win the Hart Trophy? Or so sorry, who, who do you want to win? Who, you, who do you think should win the Hart Trophy?
2: I, I mean, I already said it, and I'm going to stick with it. And I'm not just saying this because I know you guys are, uh, are, are Jets fans, but I got to go hellabuck only because – for two reasons. One, just how well – how much better he's performing than every other goaltender in the league right now. And two, goalies need love. Like, I feel like this is the hardest no. position in in uh, in the sport. I mean, you're in net playing 60 minutes. You're the only person out there playing the full game. Um, you know, killing penalties, etc., etc. You know, you're you're the most important person on the ice, the single most important person on the ice, and I think that disagree. they don't get enough uh, love. Did you say, did you say Goalie, goalies?
1: Goalies are voodoo. You cannot trust them.
2: No, hey, you're right. I'm not going to disagree with their voodoo, but the fact that bucks voodoo is is uh, working this year, I think it's working give them credit.
1: this year. He gets Both the trophy of- for this year.
2: Both of these things are true. Okay,
0: <laughs> all right.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying Hellebuck deserves to go Hall of Fame, but in, in this season, I wouldn't give give them the heart. I wouldn't even give them heart consideration two years ago and last year, but this year, just this season, I think that uh, he's the most valuable player on their team. Oh right? well,
1: th- yes, that I agree with.
2: All right, that good. With, correct but answer. Giving
1: giving goalies more respect is not what I agree with because they. I just I can't can't trust them
0: all right so all right you have one correct answer out of one all right um you said hellbuck for Hart, so we're gonna go hellbuck for Vezina. i'm not even gonna ask that question two for two yes two for two uh who do you have as your rookie of the year
2: you know we're really talking about what we're talking about and hughes I mean, that's where yeah, we're at right I, now. Yeah, I've
0: seen also, if you really respect the defensive part of the game, I've seen John Marino get a little
2: love, too. Mm. Yeah. I, I mean, he has been good. He's been out, though, right? I mean, he's been in and out of the lineup. Yeah, well, he's, he was out because he took a puck to the face. But,
0: I mean, his defensive numbers are, are pretty crazy.
2: They are. Um, he's not going to win.
0: He's I not going to win, but I'm just throwing that out there.
2: No, that's a, I like that as a dark horse. Um, man, I – you know, I've heard, I've seen so much. This is a divisive one because I've seen both fan bases, um, both the Avs and the Canucks fans, just going you, just nuts on Twitter every day. I see this like, well, now, not now, no, no, now no one cares because it's you know <laughs> no season. But like as of like two months ago, going at each other's throats about <laughs> who should win, and I feel like honestly, I think you flip a coin right now. I think their metrics are nearly identical and. Gun to my head, I'd say Hughes, but that's just, like, I think it's a 50-50 proposition. There will definitely be
0: a media-generated, like, rivalry between the Avalanche and the Canucks, even though I'm sure the players on both those teams absolutely do not hate each other at all.
2: No, yeah, I think you're right. This is – it's going to be artificially generated for sure. All right, uh, we'll go with Norris. Yossi. I, I don't even have to think about that. I know. I I don't want to hear about John Carlson. Like I, I am. Don't, don't with John I do Carlson. not
0: want to hear John Carlson.
2: I don't want to hear John Carlson. I know. I, yeah, exactly. I remember like a month ago, people had it like written Sharpie, like, oh, uh, well a month before the season ended, I should say a month ago. I don't know. Uh, but uh, yeah, two months ago, people said, you know, it has to be Carlson. No, nah, I, I think I'm mean, Yossi. I love Yossi and what he's doing on that. The, the, the you know, the uh, Predators aren't even doing that great as a team, but he's carrying so much of the load defensively. I'm just
0: – I can't get over the the John Carlson thing. Yes, he's putting up a ridiculous amount of points for a defenseman. However, he doesn't play defense. Right. He, he doesn't.
2: Yeah, I mean, how hard is it to just feed Ovechkin on the power play? I mean, I, I, I'd like, like – I'm, I'm a Caps guy, right? But I will be the first one to say – that, they, it, that, that team structure is just – it has been for years, but the team structure is built going back to Boudreaux to just, like, feed that, that Alex Ovechkin sweet spot outside the, uh, the dot there, and, and uh, you know, that's what they do. And, yeah, you're absolutely right. He, to me, it's a, it's, a, it's a real shame that Dougie Hamilton got that injury
0: because, to me, he was, like, by far and away, like, my favorite for the Norris. And I really like Dougie Hamilton, too, just because he goes to museums.
1: No, that was going to be my, <laughs> my thing was he can't win the Norris because he goes to museums instead of hanging out God, with the boys. Yeah,
0: he's an <laughs> introvert. How dare he? Um, but, yeah, I feel like, you know, I really like U.S.U. a lot as a player. So I'm, I'm okay with that. But just not John Carlson. Not that he's, Not that John Carlson is a bad player. He's just not the best defenseman this year. Now, and that's okay, all right. Uh, I think I am out of awards. I really want Selky. to ask about oh, yeah, the Selk Selkie, whatever.
1: I've heard it both ways.
2: Uh, I've got I don't even know who the favorite is in this right now, but I, this is someone I don't know if you listened to the pod like three weeks ago, but I think I i already tipped my my uh, I kind of revealed my pick here because I'm Couturier all the way. Yes. I um. I, Bergeron's great, but we actually, Dan Silver and I, we talked about this on my pod like a month ago about how this, the Selkie is a reputational award. And it's like Absolutely. the same guy who wins it every single year. Patrice and Bergeron. Bergeron is awesome. Once, like, don't get me wrong. Once you're but, in the club, you can win the, the Selkie. Yeah, but Couturier has gotten no respect for the past like three, four years as a defensive player. He's by far like one of the best. This year, Should I think have, he's been the best two-way player in the in the forward in the game so he deserves it
1: he should have won it like i forget what season it was i think it was last year or the year before he should have won it
2: but you yeah know, i mean the guys winning like points, 50 so. 56 58 of his face offs he's solid in the defensive zone he's putting up points yeah i mean what more could he ask for to me like sean Couturier
0: is like one of the most underrated players not that uh, not that people think that he's not good or anything, but just that he's so much better than even people who say he's a good player think he is.
1: I, well, I blame NBC for that. but Because if, if, you're not, if you're not one of NBC's teams, you don't get media attention. But that's beside the point.
0: To me, for a while there, like Sean Couturier and uh, Mark Stone were in like that same category of like, oh, where you go like, oh, these are good players. And you look at the numbers, and you're like, oh, my God. Like, these guys are really good.
2: Mark Stone has got. I, I he has to be one of the most underrated players in the league. I'm a huge Mark Stone fan. But he'll never win the Selkie because he's a winger. I know,
0: uh, which is so dumb.
1: <laughs>
0: but yeah, he.
1: he well, yeah. just move him to center. Oh <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, just just move to center. It'll be easy. I'm glad you guys got that and didn't just think I'm an idiot.
0: It's like that scene from Moneyball where they're telling Scott
1: Hightower. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, first base is incredibly easy. It's all a wash. First base is incredibly hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh You you want to do Jack Adams? I'll yeah. I'll let you. Uh, I'll let you give it. Give it a go. But I don't know. I feel like the Jack Adams is always just like looking at what team missed the playoffs last year and had the highest PDO this year.
2: That's but, fair. That's fair. No, I th- I think this is another one. I think it it comes down to. How much love do you want to give Tortorella, or how much love do you want to give Sullivan? Because both those teams have been dealing with a lot of injuries. But Tortorella, um, I, I don't. I think Columbus is a really interesting story, um, just based on what they lost. And mm-hmm. Bobrovsky was good, but uh, as you already mentioned, I mean Babrowski hasn't been that good this year after they paid him twelve million bucks or whatever. Like, uh, you know, he's I think it's, I think it's ten maybe ten. Because I, I, I think it was 80
0: total. I don't know. I just thought it was eight years yeah. and some ludicrous amount of money.
2: Either way, though, he's not playing like a $10 million goal. Oh, no. Center, and that was not. a huge mistake. No. And, uh, but, you know, losing Panarin, uh, that that to me was a bigger uh, loss than Bobrovsky. But I think Torts has got to be like in that pole position because the fact that Columbus is in the playoffs, if, if they started today, and lost – Zingle lost, Panarin lost, Bobrovsky lost, I mean, and they dealt with all those injuries this year. Uh, I know Sullivan's done a lot with the Pens, but it's the Pens, right? I mean, like, I feel like they just win games for whatever hey, reason. But the Penguins also I, had, like, a ton of injuries this
0: year. Like, they had Crosby out for half the year.
2: Would, yeah. Would
1: you, would you consider AV? Elaine Vigneault?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think – I think you mentioned it earlier about goaltending and about, you know, if Winnipeg made the playoffs, that would uh, escalate the heart case for Hellebuck. And I think that, you know, w- well, making the playoffs is even more important for a coach. You know, yes. I mean, if if somehow the Rangers could go on a tear in the last – if we saw the rest of the season they went on a tear and made the playoffs, I think that you would have to consider him. But uh, uh, AV uh, yeah. Oh, dart. Man, this guy's yeah, been was, around. Yeah, I was really wondering where you are going with that. Yeah, I was wondering where I was going with that, too, because I I kept seeing him as still a Rangers. Uh, no, yeah, yeah Rangers well, just
0: David Quinn, right?
2: Uh-huh. Yeah, you're right. Just uh, scratch everything I said the last, like, minute, and uh, <laughs> we're going to rewind that. And, no, yeah, I think you – yeah, Flyer – yeah, absolutely. I think the Flyers are playing out of this world this year, and uh, they weren't last year. And even though a lot of that has to do with Carter Hart, it's um, – yeah, I, I don't, think you would have to consider him.
1: I don't really want my coach to win the Jack Adams um, because I feel like the Jack Adams coaches generally get fired pretty quickly afterwards somehow for some reason. Voodoo, magic, I don't know. Um, so I don't really want him to win it, but I like the discussion around it.
0: I mean, it's like what I said, though. I mean, it's always – because he – for a while, they would always give it to a team that <clears> – <throat> Missed the playoffs last year, and is suddenly in the playoffs. And you look, and it's like, okay, well, their goaltender has like a 9:30 this year. Gee, I wonder why they made the playoffs.
2: Yeah, Thanks. I mean, it's it's almost like it. The Jack Adams is almost like a. Uh, it's almost like coaching above expectations award. I know we talk about like expected, but it's like Columbus. Everyone expected to be horrible, and hey, look at they're good. And the Pens, when they had all those injuries, expected them to be horrible. Oh, look, the, you know. And I think the Flyers, on paper, everyone's expected them to be better in years past. They've just underperformed in years past. So I think just having yeah. a competent coach has made them you – know, Flyers should have been in the playoffs the past few years. And I don't know if that's, well, if that's saying they, something. They
1: were, not last year, but they have been in the, – They have They made been. the playoffs two out of Haxtell's
2: three years. But and then they weren't really competitive. Yeah. And, yeah, I think after last year, it's just like, oh, this is where we should be. And yes. Yeah, they should be there. But I think for Torts and, and for Mike Sullivan, it's it's one of those things where no one expected them to do as well as they have. And I think that's – for me, that's kind of where I put them as my front two.
0: I think I would have to give it to Tortorella this year mostly because I can't really explain why the Blue Jackets are good. And that's not yeah. in like a – like. It's it wasn't because of just your PDO, right? Like, Elvis Merzlikins had like yes, like he had like a good month and a half, but not not as much so over the course of the season. They weren't carried by a star player really either, you know. And they had like a shit ton of injuries. I don't know how they were in playoff contention. I can't tell you how.
2: (laughs) Well, even looking at some of the individual players' advanced metrics. Seth Jones' numbers are horrid. I mean, I remember looking at it at the All-Star game when he got voted in, and I'm sitting here looking at this thinking, like, he's got under 50% goals for He's got under 50% expected goals for Like, this guy is, like, how, I know he plays a lot of minutes, but Seth Jones is, you know, the numbers, he's not, he's their number one and doesn't look that great. And that's, this was pre-injury. Um, you know, uh, Warinsky, Warinsky doesn't look that good. Like, I, I'm with you. Like, I don't know how they're doing it, but they're doing it.
1: I was going to ask you, um, because they were drafted so close together, Ivan Provrov or Zach Rorinsky?
2: Rurins- I mean, I'd probably go Provorov. Yes.
0: Uh, all right, Matt, you got anything else you wanted to add?
2: No, I mean, really, uh, I, I got nothing. I, I really appreciate you guys having me on, and this is a great, great time. And uh, maybe uh, we'll do this again sometime.
0: Yeah, well, uh, absolutely. Go ahead and plug all of your plugs here.
2: Okay, uh, well, plug on, you plugs. You can find me on Twitter at stats underscore enforcer, and you can find the Ice Analytics Podcast at Ice Analytics on Twitter, and uh, check out all the shows on the Hockey Podcast Network, including Grit Per 60 and the Ice Analytics Pod and, uh, and the rest of them. So that's all I got.
0: All right, um, that's going to be all from us. Uh, so follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Grit Per 60 Pod. You can follow me on Twitter at BeFarrel727. You can follow TC on Twitter at TC underscore 904. And, yeah, I think that's going to do it uh, for this week from us. Uh, Stay safe, stay home, and have a good one. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.